When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How does Marcus Gasol look in Toronto? Is Tobias Harris the missing piece in Philly? Has the top of the East improved enough to make it interesting in the playoffs? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey, sports fans, Coach Nick here, and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Jared Weiss, who writes words on the NBA for The Athletic. That's what I do. That's right. Great to have you here again, as always. It's great to talk words on the B-Ball Breakdown podcast. Yes. Enough with the written stuff. Let's get to the talking part. So we are here. We are talking. We're interacting. We are looking at each other as well. Jared, let's talk Eastern Conference. Let's talk what the teams at the top did to get better at the deadline uh, or which teams didn't do things to get better. And I think we have to start off with, why don't we start off at the top with Toronto and them picking up Mark Gasol, and then we can kind of throw in Jeremy Lin at the end there. But what are your thoughts so far in the three games he's played for them? So far, it's been not pretty. It's been, it's been kind of weird, which is fine. It's what we expected. He's, I think we talked about this on the trade deadline special, that he's a guy that can potentially raise their ceiling more than any of these other acquisitions that were made at the deadline, but he's also the weirdest fit at this point. He's coming off the bench, which probably is a good thing, frankly, considering that he just turned 34. Did he turn 34 before he got – yeah, it's right, just before he got traded. Um, but so, you know, at his age, it, it, it ain't a bad thing in the regular season to be playing 20 minutes a game, and they're probably going to bump that up a lot. The Their big question will be how do they finish games, and Serge Ibaka's been playing really well this year and especially in the last few games. Uh, I almost called him Pablo Francisco. Uh Pascal Siakam, not Pablo Francisco, the noted comedian from the 2000s, he had an insane game. He had the best game of his career a, a, a right before we take this. So that is showing that they have to rely on him and they have to finish the game trying to kind of maximize Siakam's opportunity to get out and run and make all the, like, kind of like, they don't run any plays for him. He scored probably the first person ever to score 40 points where they didn't really call a single play for him except for like one corner pick and roll with Kyle Lowry, it seemed like. So, you know, Gasol is already making them a better distribution team. You can just see that the ball, everybody's cutting when he's out there. He People just believe that he's going to pass, and I think that does so much for them that it just, I mean, in the regular season, it's usually about like not having a part of the game where you just collapse. I don't know if that's quite as important in the playoffs because – Generally, you have a couple people from your starting lineup out there as much as possible. But Gasol will just be that guy that bridges whatever lineup they have. Right. You know, what's interesting is I, I've seen a little bit of evidence of like triangle offense when he's been out there, which is really interesting. They're doing some pinch post stuff, which is great for him. They even threw the ball in the low post once and had two cutters split from the wing and the corner off of him or cut to the basket off him, which is like the old school triangle. So that was interesting to me to begin with. But yeah, he, he looked pretty bad uh, against Brooklyn. 
And he was better. I'm sorry. He looked pretty, he looked good against Brooklyn. He looked pretty bad against Washington. And then this first game against the Knicks also, uh, just discombobulated. And I would say he looked rusty, but he'd been playing all year. So it's not like he'd been missing games. So we don't, I don't know which version of Gasol they, they're getting. Is he any better than Valanciunas is when he's healthy? Like, I, I don't know. Cause Valanciunas so. was very helpful to them. Well, I will say that he's, Gasol is more, um, mobile, even at that, at this age, I feel like on the defensive end. So, yeah, so I think he'll be able to help him a little bit more when he plays. But, yeah, I think that what Ibaka does when he plays center for them, he unlocks a lot of things in that small ball that, that, that works for them and makes them very difficult to deal with. So uh, throwing Gasol out there and kind of going old school traditional is interesting. Um, but good to see that Siakam can still have a great game in that mix uh, as well. And they're going to need everybody uh, on board ready to go. Uh, when they get to the playoffs, it's just still not clear to me if they're completely ready and uh, if Kawhi gives them enough of the mindset and then LeBron not being in the East to overcome what was seriously a an issue <laughs> with them, you know, be, not being able to perform in the playoffs. Sure. And I mean, a big thing with Gasol is that one thing you have to remember is when you get to the playoffs, these guys are going to be running a lot of simple actions, especially in crunch time where defenses are ratcheted up and being able to have a really good pick and pop or pick and roll, just having like a great big man for the PNR scheme is so huge. And I guess Siakam should be able to do it in theory pretty well. And Ibaka has been pretty good at it, but Gasol, I think is at a different level where he's a much more, I mean, the numbers haven't been great, but like we know that Marcus Gasol can bury a three whenever he wants to. And we know that he can do those short rolls. He can pretty much do anything on the pick and roll. And he's just, he's a more dynamic pick and roll partner than any of those guys, and I mean, Kawhi doesn't really run that much of it, so I guess it wouldn't matter for him, but for for Lowry, who has kind of struggled to shot create this year compared to in the past, but has been a really good distributor at the same time, I think this, this just makes things even easier for him. So Gasol just, I feel like his main role is just to kind of make everything easier for everybody. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, he's not going to take a lot of threes, but he certainly could hit them, and he certainly can pass really, really well. So that should also help them. So it's a net plus for them, and certainly when you're looking at the top four teams and what they did or didn't do, uh, that's got to be at the top of the list right now for what we see until we see someone like uh, Miritich on the court and figure out what that looks like. But let's although let's talk about Tobias Harris in Philly because I just did a video on it, and it was pretty impressive. Uh, you know, I have to tell you, the it was a total buzzkill watching them play the Celtics and get beat again um, and having Tobias be very average only because he looked so good. It felt like, okay, this is going to be it. This is going to change the tables for them. And, uh, but even still, I, it clearly gives them, a, uh, you know, the, the best starting five east of the, uh, the Bay area. And um, I, he's fitting in wonderfully well so far. I mean, I, I think I called them Warriors East before, which is uh, feels sacrilege, but like, I mean, they're stacked beyond belief. So it kind of makes sense in a way, but he, he, I feel like he just solved all of their issues as far as being too locked into having one perimeter playmaker. I mean, we already went over that kind of stuff. As far as fit so far, I mean, he's been, he's been fitting in great. That Celtics game, I would call it an anomaly from the general trend in that the Celtics just match up so unbelievably well against Philadelphia. They have for a year straight now. They've just had Philadelphia's number and, also, I guess, you know, Joel Embiid, he can't post up Horford, but I feel like Philly just still hasn't figured out what do we do with our offense instead of posting him up. Like, running more pick and roll, for instance, would be a good way to do it, but they don't really run that much pick and roll in that offensive scheme. And, I mean, this is just such a perfect fit for Harris, who, you know, was, he he just, he wasn't quite what the Clippers needed to be 
a top tier team because he just isn't that number one guy. He's a bit passive. He, you know, he picks his spots, but when he picks his spots, he executes almost every single time. So him being the third slash fourth option in that Philadelphia offense, I mean, that's, it's such a perfect fit for him. And he's, he's been great in getting out in transition. And I feel like a lot of the time when they're getting out in transition, it's like Simmons or Embiid gets the rebound and then he's running and they're able to get it to him at half court. And he's like in full control of the transition play from there. And it's just going to make them a lot more deadly of a transition team, which is, I think, the thing that he probably impacts them more so on rather than just like, you know, their half court offense is so hard to solve now because there's not really there's very, very limited weaknesses. Right. Although it's interesting because I showed some clips in the video where when they post him up and they have like Boban in there and Simmons in there, there's like no spacing. It's weird. It's old school 80s look. But you know what? The point is, is if you're going to post up, you're going to get a good shot from there. And if you try and help close in, you can quickly hit the other guy who's open for a layup. Uh, so so they're, they're figuring some things out there. And the revelation I thought for me was how he's, he could bring the ball up coast to coast. He can grab the rebound and then lead the break or just lead the offense and start it there. And that just opens up things for everybody else who can just fan out and get in the space uh, earlier without having to deal with that. And I thought that's a big thing. And then that connects directly to limiting Jimmy Butler's usage percentage, which has plummeted since Tobias Harris got there. And that's a really, really good thing. <laughs> I think in this team, uh, Butler can't be as dominant as he thinks he needs to be. And by putting a guy like Tobias Harris in there who's going to hit threes, catch and shoot, he can run a little pick and roll, he can just sort of be the facilitator and keep the glue together. Uh, that's what's going to make Jimmy Butler like even, even more difficult for everybody to handle on the defensive end. And do you think they can make that work with Jimmy? Like, do you think Jimmy's going to have full buy-in and they're going to that's going to last the entire playoff run? Well, I guess what would that look like uh, if he doesn't? He's going to start forcing more shots and isoing. Is that the idea? I guess so. You Which, know, I mean, Jimmy's really good, so he can he can do it, and they can still win. Yeah, right. Uh, but it's not is their best version of themselves. Uh, of or or does he kind of get into like uh, cr- crazy mode where he just makes life miserable for people mentally, like you know, in the locker room and all those things we've seen him do, which. I thought it was a great move by the by the Sixers to bring in two guys in Tobias Harris and Boban who uh, will lighten the locker room and really give them you know a, a whole other sunnier disposition that they probably didn't have as much before that because Ben Simmons is kind of blah. I mean, you've been around Ben a little bit, haven't you? I have. He um, blah Plaza word I would use yeah he's okay. not like you know he's not the life of the party right he's not he's not, a vo- he's, he's not a vocal positive presence at least out in the public eye obviously that changes behind closed doors there I've, I've heard a lot of stuff about Ben that I'm not gonna go into now but I know that uh, he's things can be difficult in bringing the best out of him I could say, I guess is the way I put it okay well either way I mean but that's a, I'm not I'm not trying to say he's a negative guy in the locker room I just think he's kind of neutral but you know Embiid has got to be the, he is life of the party but uh, they could you could always use another couple guys that work hard but can kind of also lighten that mood so I feel like that's another nice balance that they brought in that should help them um, just to balance out Jimmy because I think Jimmy could be a real problem if he starts to go down that path and and other people cling on to him, and then that sinks everybody. So I just don't think that would happen. But, yes, be on the lookout for Butler 10 games into this to be like, F this, man, I've gone down from 24% usage to 16 you know, which is which is twenty five percent, like a quarter of his usage. Uh, hopefully they'll still be winning, and he'll say that's great. And I think that he will, but uh, we'll have to see. I want to give Jimmy the benefit of the doubt. I mean, the, the dude's a hardcore winner. 
Like, I mean, obviously the Minnesota situation was, was a disaster, but he w- he'll murder anyone that he has to to get that W. He's a good playmaker. He's always been a pretty willing playmaker. He's he's a pretty like he's not a growth mindset kind of guy to use Brad Stevens speak. He's a very much a fixed mindset kind of guy. He he does things the way he does them. He wants to be kind of you know an almost ninety style you know uh, point forward type of player, but he his grit his confidence those are the things that they need from him in the playoffs like him being that asshole is the thing that they really need him to help them get over the hump when they're competing against a Toronto team that has a lot more experience although for most of them their experience is in getting knocked out in the second round and Milwaukee who you know doesn't quite have that experience but you know they're kind of going through that what the Thunder went through a decade ago and the Warriors went through where they got to the playoffs, got knocked down in a competitive first-round series, and all of a sudden they're a 60-win team, and they could make that leap to being a conference finals or finals team. And obviously, I think we agree they've been the best team in the Eastern Conference this year, maybe the probably the best team in the NBA this year, even though the Warriors are still better than them overall. So Philly needs, like, they need all of their personalities to explode and clash, but work together to clash and direct that towards the opponent. And that's when they become super dangerous. Right. And by the way, that was an awesome segue to the Bucks. So I don't want to like steer us away from that because we were just uh, for a second there <laughs> and about to talk nice. about a team that's, you know, kind of made the playoffs and now they're a you know, 60 win team. Let's, let's go with there because the Bucks, you know, they didn't want to feel left out as well. And so they did a nice deal when they, by, by picking up Miritich, uh, who's a guy that seems to help any, wherever he goes, but he just, you know, is, has a hard time staying healthy consistently across his career. Uh, we haven't seen him yet in the court, but uh, what do you think about him and how he, he's going to fit with uh, in Budenholzer's offense? Well, they can put him into Ilyasova's role, except he's way better, so that's pretty perfect. I mean, he's so good that it, it makes you wonder if they're going to close out games with him in there and Giannis at the five. It depends on matchup. I mean, Lopez has been so damn good, it doesn't seem like it would make any sense to do that. But it gives, I guess it gives them that hot hand opportunity to decide who are the five you know, or who are the four guys that are shooting the best that night and decide to close with them if the matchup dictates it. So I mean, he just he just significantly upgrades over what Ilyasova was giving them. They've got a pretty great eight-man rotation for the playoffs, and they just perfectly balance. They're, they're just perfectly balanced. I mean, I love this team. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree. Also, because, I mean, you, all they had to give up was Thon Maker. So a guy that really wasn't playing anyway, and he doesn't give them any. I mean, Maker at some point was shooting threes and playing good defense. But uh, it's a totally different kind of a thing here. Now, obviously, Mirchich is not going to give them the defensive uh, presence they need. But that's okay because he'll stretch it. He can play the uh, small ball four, stretch the uh, the defense out. And they've had the best uh, defense in the NBA this year doing. anyway. So it's not like they need a defensive Right, they can cover for yeah. him. The, well, the yeah, the so, big problem is, and I, I think I heard another podcast uh, address this, so I don't want to copy what they did, but th- they're in a Milwaukee's in a deep drop scheme. So every single time there's a pick and roll, Brook Lopez, if he's if he's defending it, he's going to retreat back to like the dotted circle in the paint, and they're going to invite dribble penetration. Now that means that they're going to give up a ton of threes above the break, but they're also going to never really allow penetration to the rim, and that's how it's played out this year. But if they're going up against a team, like, I mean, in the second round, if things hold, they're probably going to face either Boston or Philly. I mean, maybe Indiana Indiana holds up there. But either way, they're probably going to face one of those teams in the second round. And those are two teams that could potentially light them up from up top. And then they have to potentially change their scheme, go to a switching scheme. I think that's where things get really complicated. Maybe that's when Giannis comes in at the five and Lopez hits the bench and you put Miritich. But 
I'd assume you'd rather have Lopez out there anyway, just because he's shown he's a good defender and Miritich doesn't really give, you know, Miritich's, you know, relative smaller size isn't really made up for with like more quickness and ability to switch on ball screens. Like he's just not, I think, I think Lopez might be better anyway with that. For sure, for sure. They have a lot, a lot of options here and what they can do. Uh, and the only question now is when is he going to court and can they fuse these guys together and get a rhythm before the playoffs start? It's weird. These, you know, the All-Star game is now so late that there's only about 25 games left in the season now for all these guys. And uh, it's a real, it's going to be a real rush job here to get him on the court. I don't even know. Do you know what Miritich's, you know, prognosis is and when he's going to get back? I think, I think he's probably going to be back in a probably... Oh, I guess it's the Celtics is going to be their game after the All-Star break. So <laughs> that, I'll be watching that one, I guess. So that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, right. He'll be, yeah, he'll, uh, that's right, on February 21st when they come yeah, back. Yeah, 21st. So. so he should be back for that one. Okay, good. So we'll see. I, again, I, I don't have a lot of faith in him uh, staying healthy anyway. But we'll, if he can, then he's, he's going to be a real problem uh, for everybody else. He'll, he'll really help them. Um, of course, you know, there's still the issues with Bledsoe that I have uh, that Bucks fans don't see, but uh, I do. Um, but we'll, we'll find out. And by the way, like DJ Wilson is a revelation to me. Love the guy. Love the way he plays. He's like that Thon maker, that, that, but he's actually like contributing what they thought Thon could do. Um, and I don't even really know him that well. Do you remember where he went to college? God damn it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I got all these questions for you. We went to Michigan. Yeah, we, we looked this up before. It was Michigan. Yeah, right. I'm like, I don't even have in my mind's eye a picture of him playing at Michigan because I think, I've, you know, obviously we've seen them in the tournament a lot the last several years. But anyhow, uh, you know, a great little pickup for them. It's a huge weekend for the NBA as Giannis and LeBron battle forces in the NBA All-Star Game. And that means there is only one place to get in on all this action. And it's called betonline.ag sports casino virtual casino you name it betonline.ag is clns media's preferred sportsbook online place your pick for the all-star game this weekend by going online to sign up today at clnsmedia.com slash win try in-game live betting where you can participate in all the action with every play Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% cashback bonus on first deposit. That's clnsmedia.com slash win, and the code is CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Now, let's let's move over to the, the Celtics here because they didn't do anything. Uh, except we found out how unhappy they are in the locker room, uh, supposedly. <laughs> Although it still doesn't. That's feel not true, bad. though. They they did salary dump Jabari Bird, so they did make a move at the deadline. Uh, okay, so, so long, farewell, Jabari I'm Bird. Kidding. But they're probably going to sign someone at some point to that extra spot. I mean the the Celtics the, the debate that has raged on in the last you know, few days, which happens every time Kyrie Irving has to sit out because his knee is funny, is. Are they better without Kyrie Irving? And you know, people freak out over that conversation because it's a conversation that's held by the hot take machines and all the national talk shows or local sports radio, which is a total dumpster fire, which is why we do these podcasts. But the one thing about Kyrie sitting out is that their offense, they, they run the offensive system that Stevens has been running for the past few years a lot more effectively when they don't have someone dominating the ball because that whole system is generally non-ball dominant. So they run their offense more to how it's built, and they can put out a better defensive lineup without Irving out there. 
you know, so they can have a bunch of games where they're better without Irving, or I should say their offense moves more smoothly without Irving. But in the playoffs, that team would probably not do very well, especially against like last year, they had that remarkable run and all that. And it was great. They were playing really well. But the quality of the teams in the East last year were a joke. Like those teams are like as good as like Brooklyn is this year. Okay. The teams at the top of the East are so much better. It's insane. Yeah. I think this year's Brooklyn team would probably make the conference finals in last year's East. Like the, yeah. the quality of the teams were not good. That that Cavaliers team was so horrendous. It was just LeBron was having another goat run. But so the um the degree of difficulty is so much higher and there are just times in the playoffs where your system doesn't work and you need a great player who can do ISO or pick and roll or get out in transition that can be your offense for you, especially in crunch time, and that's why you have guys like Irving. That's why you have Kawhi Leonard. Like that's that's what those stars do. It's in the playoffs that everything breaks down and that's where they come in. Well, that, but the question then becomes is you still need Tatum and Brown and, and the young guys to come in and really give you good minutes and help. And that's the question is, is, is Kyrie going to get his and do what he can do at the expense of those guys doing well, or can they all do well together? And can Kyrie figure that out as well? Or is it not Kyrie's issue either way uh, that they don't, they don't play as well, maybe with him or versus without uh, certainly worthy of a, of a video, perhaps that I could, if I jumped on some footage, but uh, I, that would be what I'm the most scared about. Cause I just don't really feel it. Right. I mean, I, I know we're all about feelings here in the NBA, and that's what I have to be worried about with the Celtics is that I just don't know. I just don't feel it from them right now. And that might be what I'm maybe I'm kind of tapping into what Morris was talking about, how, you know, maybe they're not happy. I mean, has that changed since he said that? Yeah, I mean, they're they're trying to be happier together. That's that's true. But it's been something that's been noticeable for a while. And, you know, there's guys on this team that just feel a little bit disconnected from the other guys and you see them get upset when they check out sometimes. Um, I mean, it's a, I resisted the narrative that guys need more touches for a long time. And then the more I talk to players, the more I talk to people that work with these players and, you know, talk to their camps, they were all just like, I just need more touches. Like (laughs) it was, that's pretty much it. And I think people are mostly assuming that from the outside because it's a simplistic narrative and that's all they can really muster because they don't, know what's really going on in the court at a high level but yeah that's that's what most of these guys are straight up saying it's like they just i need to get i need to get 12 shots a game i need to get the plays called for me so that i can feel my rhythm and then we play off of that and it doesn't really happen a ton and you know a part part of it is like stevens he doesn't ride the hot hand usually it's uh it's pretty uncommon for him to see a guy that is really feeling it and call three plays in a row for him unless it's you know Kyrie, obviously well, although, like, you know, generally with Stevens' offense, calling a play doesn't necessarily mean that you're calling for a specific shot from a specific person. That's the other thing. You know, it's really calling an action that's going to try and force a closeout, and then you can kick out and get some movement and that kind of thing. And that's what's interesting because then you don't really know, you know, that, that the hot hand thing, that's where it plays into because, you know, a guy might get open ahead of time and get that shot, and that's a good shot too. So that is uh, a thing that, you know, I guess they're going to have to kind of, I mean, if they're not used to it by now, <laughs> I don't know what's going to change going forward. But and they are. Uh, they but, are. Yeah. But, but I think what you mean is, and that's the thing is, they don't even need, I don't even know if it's the shots per se. I think it's the touches themselves, the energy that you get by being part of the offense and by touching the ball and being and moving it even is, is something that's vital for a lot of teams. And when you don't get that, that could very well be, and then and you go three, four possessions in a row, you don't score, and all, now you got guys who are upset. And by the way, Morris, of all the players, is going to be the most upset for not getting his shots. And, you know, he's been doing really nicely, just sort of, you know, I'm not going to call him a gunner per se, but he really likes. 
Celtics to get those shots up. Um, but he's and, a and, career gunner. Yeah, and, uh, okay. absolutely. And but, and, but it's changed. It has changed this year though. And as long as he's making them at a decent clip, then it's like you, yeah, that's fine. I mean, we've seen uh, you know plenty of players be able to do uh, on, on championship teams do that. Uh, but it's that that's the whole key here is that if they don't feel part of it, uh, the, the defense suffers. And and certainly the locker room atmosphere suffers as well. Now, and that's the other problem is is we're talking about the life of the party here. Like, who is life of the party in the Celtics? Who is that guy that's lightning in the room when he walks in? Yabu, Aaron Baines, who's been out. Um, okay, interesting. Yeah. Baines, Marcus Smart, those are the guys I would say. Yeah, and they're not the yeah. leader leaders, quote unquote. So yeah, yeah. Well, Smart has become in the last year and a half, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's that that's their problem is that their role players are the spirit of the team. Kyrie isn't quite that's not quite his leadership style. Um, but you know they're they're they are more disjointed than I think that everyone on the outside and them expected. There were clearly like some concerns coming into it. Uh, some guys just like weren't really ready, and then there was you know the whole numbers game issue. But they're frankly, I I think they overreact a lot of the time. I should let me rephrase. The I think Morris's words revealed why they overreact because they go on these eight game winning streaks and then they have like a mediocre week stretch, which like yeah that, that this is what a normal team looks like and you just had an eight game winning streak that's why you're at the top, but I think the fact that Morris said that we're not having fun and we're not connecting and stuff like that that shows why they keep having these things happen. I think part of it is that Kyrie tends to he wants a you know Kyrie is too honest publicly as well in that. He keeps bringing these things up, and that causes causes the issue as well. But these guys just they, they don't seem to let things blow over like they should. And maybe that's just because their losses usually tend to be really humiliating losses. They get blown out, or they just like completely collapse, you know, stuff like that. But I mean, they, then I'm sure the next they're probably going to go on like a six game winning streak, and then it's going to seem like everything's fine, and we're going to have two weeks of narratives of the Celtics are juggernauts again, and then they're going to fall apart again. That's how it's always going to happen. Sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, how we see the Eastern Conference unfolding uh, going forward. Right now, as of when we're taping this, the Bucks are in first uh, game ahead of the Raptors. The Pacers are uh, just right behind them at five and a half games, and then the Celtics are six and a half games behind, and then the Sixers, wait a minute, is this the right year? Wow. You know what? I haven't even really studied this. Like, you know, the Sixers are fifth in fifth place, tied with the Celtics, uh, or whatever they will tie for fourth. Uh, I, I don't even know if I really <laughs> fully comprehended that, but yeah, what do we see going forward now that they have Tobias Harris and now the other guys of the, their guys, their new guys from the trades? How do you think this is gonna? We're gonna end up with the uh, conference seedings in the top? Okay, well, I guess the first question is: Do you think the Pacers are gonna fall back? They should, right? They lost Oladipo, and yet they, they haven't dropped. They're defying all odds. There, it's. Coach of the year, Nate McMillan. If it's not going to go to Bud, it should go to him. It's going to go, going to go to Bud, obviously. But well, it's insane. Or, I, there's yeah. no, it's got to, it's got to, because Indy, they're not nearly as talented as Denver and what they're doing. I mean, it depends. If they have a huge drop off, then sure. But what McMillan's doing is amazing because they've just built such a good defense. And Miles Turner has been defending so well. Best, best interior defender in the NBA, probably right now. Probably. Probably is like the dark horse defensive player of the year candidate. They, I don't know how they're getting their offense. Like, I don't understand how that's still happening because it's like Thad Young, Bogdanovich. It's like these guys are not guys you expect to, to you know, really put that up in lieu of Oladipo. Right. They're, they're mystifying. And there's no, there's, uh, there's just no, un, there's no way to predict what they're going to do. 
Yes, uh, that, that is true. And in fact, I need to get some eyeballs and really to study what's going on here in the last uh, 10 games since he's been, since Oladipo has been gone. But if I really quickly look at their numbers in those last 10 games, they've won one, two, three, four, five, six. All right. So they're six and uh, six and 10. It looks like that's pretty good. It's a nice clip for them considering they didn't have uh, they lost their guy and they were able to adjust on the fly. So, uh, you right, know, he definitely it should be, the, you know, top three for coach of the year. Um, but other than that, is there going to be significant movement? Because, again, there's hardly any games left. And with 25 games left for everybody, you know, you can't expect anyone to jump more than about what? Two games? Maybe. Maybe three. Maybe, yeah. let's say three. That's a high three. So now you're talking about, let's just say the Sixers move up three games. They, that's still going to be, you know, second or third. They're not going to get any, you know. They, I don't even think they get the second if the other guys keep winning. I, I don't think they're going to catch the Raptors. Raptors would have to fall off a cliff for that to happen. Right. So, so it looks they're like, third. It looks like that top four group is heading stone. Yeah, I guess the one team will be the Pacers. Pacers. They're probably going to drop, but, you know, so they drop down to sixth or whatever. Uh, still formidable. Uh, and with a good record. So, okay, the Bucks finish first, you think? Yeah, I think they'll hold on to it. I mean, they haven't even gotten Meritage yet. Right. All right. And then, okay, then, then the Raptors? Yeah, the Ra- I don't see any reason for them to have a big drop-off. They're they're getting by right now with the, you know, while they're still trying to figure out their system. And, I mean, Van Fleet getting hurt, being out for almost the rest of the regular season is definitely going to hurt them a little bit. But they just got Jeremy Lin, who we barely had to scratch the surface on. He'll... He can't replace what Fred can do, but he at least is serviceable. Oh, and and in the playoffs, when they're all healthy playing, Jeremy Lin's going to go into a game. I bet you he'll win a game. He's going to play like 12 minutes. He's going to hit like two really big threes and throw a dime right when they need it, and it's going to be huge. So mark those words. I think Lin's going to really help them. Like, you know, like one big game they need him to help him in. So I think that's that's a great pickup for them. Um, Okay, I'll mark him down. Mark it down. Now, okay, so Philly and Boston, you think, okay, let's just pretend maybe they both leapfrog over the Pacers. It's, that's reasonable. Uh, you think Philly's going to be over Boston by the time the season's over? Oh, God. I don't think so. I just, oh, my God. Boston matches up so perfectly. They are, they have to change the way they use Embiid if they're going to beat Boston, I think. I, I guess, I think it's the only way it happens. So they have to, so Boston has to hope that they're like fourth and the Sixers are fifth. I guess, well, Boston can try to uh, get to the three and then face Brooklyn. Yeah. I'm just thinking like, yeah. And if like, if Boston plays the Sixers in the first round, they might like that. Uh, although you know what? The Celtics could be fifth and the so. Sixers could be fourth. And that would probably might still work for Boston. Well, they would face each other and then. Yeah. yeah but it's not home court. Yeah. Well, Philly would have home court. They want, they want Indy to fall out and reach a three seed so they can face Brooklyn and have a much easier first round and then face whomever in the second round. Yeah. Uh, that's they would face fair. Toronto probably in the second round then. So, fair enough. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. So they get the three, the three seed, and they got Toronto. Yeah, it's rough after that anyway, which is nice because we haven't had you know a second or third round in the East that's been you know too too difficult for a while. So uh, we all win. Hey, this is the year it finally happens. I hope so. I hope so. So we'll see. Um, well, listen, Jared. I think we covered what we needed to cover today. Yeah, we got we finally solved the East, and then we got to solve the West next week. Okay, you're on. Let's do it. I'll be doing it from Florida, so my uh, my voice will be warmer. And actually, just before we go, is there anything in All Star Weekend that you actually give a crap about? Oh, you know, I used to think like no. Uh, although I was watching the highlights of the dunk contest from whatever year that was with Aaron Gordon, and I was 16, like, yeah. and I was like, wow, like that was really creative what they were doing. And I don't think it's matched that since then, right? I mean, it's only been two years, but yeah, last year's dunk contest was mediocre. 
Um, the, the, the Levine Gordon battle is probably like a top five dunk contest ever. For I mean, sure. That was oh, top, so iconic. Higher. It could be the best ever, honestly. I mean, that the, the dunk over, it's funny. I, I forget. It might've been SB nation. Like did like a quiz of like, who, what is your signature dunk? And you'd fill out like a little questionnaire. And I had just been watching the one where he jumps, where Aaron Gordon jumps over their mascot and like literally jumps his butt over the mascot's head and like does the ball under his butt, which is I think the best dunk I've ever seen in my life. And I was just thinking about that dunk, and then I did the questionnaire, and that came up as my signature dunk. And I'm like, wow, I really am a predictable human being. Or wow, the algorithms have really figured us out. But I'll never forget. That's the I think that's the best dunk ever. I'm trying to think of one. I mean, the Vince Carter, you know, 360 windmill is probably the most iconic dunk ever. And then that and like MJ or Dr. J from the free throw line. Those are probably more memorable, but as far as degree of difficulty and remarkable dunks, that's got to be it. Yeah, I mean, and Levine was doing things from the free throw line on the way that, like, Michael could just hold it up there and then dunk it, where he was double pumping and whatever. It was crazy. Through so, the legs, my mill, yeah. And, and you can't really blame Dominique and Michael because there just wasn't the kind of creativity. They didn't even think of doing those things. They probably could do some of them, but there's no one ever, like, ever sat down to really think about, you know, how, to, how creative can they get. So, uh, yeah, I mean, skills challenge used to be somewhat interesting to me, but um, I don't know. The game is not interesting either. So, you know, I'm just going to be looking forward to being on the beach and getting in the, in, the, in the ocean a little bit. Yeah, the one thing that's fun about the skills challenge is just seeing bigs versus guards. So that's fun, um, especially because it's, it's proven that was a great move that they did because it's proven to be every year you really have no idea who's going to pull it off. Now with the bigs are so skilled, they can pull it off. I'd like to see Jokic do it. I feel like Jokic would nail every little thing, but he's so slow. It might take him five minutes just to get up and down the floor. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, we'll see. I'll have to keep my eye on that one. I don't think I've watched it in a couple of years, so I'll, I'll watch it this year if I can. But uh, anyhow, thank you so much for coming on the show again, Jared, as always, every week that you're with me. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening to our uh, podcast and getting this far. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, our channel, we're conversation. You win. Are you in, Jared? I'm in all-star mode, baby. 